Welcome to ReachMD. This medical industry feature titled Genotype-Specific Persistence, Looking Beyond HPV 16 and 18, is sponsored by BD. This program is intended for physicians. Here's your host, Dr. Charles Turk. In several studies, women who were HPV positive, regardless of genotype, were at an increased risk of cervical cancer due to genotype-specific high-risk HPV persistence. But most HPV tests report multiple genotypes in a single result, potentially masking the risk of CIN3 plus disease caused from HPV31. This is ReachMD, and I'm Dr. Charles Turk. Joining me to discuss monitoring same genotype persistence for high-risk HPV types beyond 16 and 18 is Dr. Diane Harper. Dr. Harper is a professor at the University of Michigan in the Departments of Family Medicine, Obstetrics and Gynecology, Biomedical Engineering, and Women's and Gender Studies. Dr. Harper, thanks for being here today. Thank you, Dr. Turk. To start us off, Dr. Harper, can you give us an overview of persistence tracking? HPV testing occurs either as a cocktail of more than one type or as an identifying a single HPV type. This is considered an incident infection, an infection that's found once. When a repeat test is done, and if the repeat test is positive for the same type of HPV, then the infection is considered persistent. The concept of persistence means the detection of the same HPV type in a repeated test at least four months from the first test. But most researchers define persistence as the same type being detected in six months from the first test with no negative tests in between. And most clinicians define persistence as the same HPV type appearing at one-year intervals. The most recent 2019 ASCCP guidelines for management of a positive HPV screening test indicates that some HPV types have a higher risk of CIN3 plus disease than other types. All this means is that the time from infection onto oncogenic transformation is faster for some HPV types than for other HPV types. If you choose an HPV test that cannot tell you which types have the highest risk of CIN3 plus disease, then you are not recognizing the increased risk that common types carry. For instance, While HPV-16 causes nearly 60% of the cervical cancers, it is only associated with about 20% of the NILM, ASCUS, and LCIL cytology diagnoses. This means that 80% of early screening abnormalities associated with types other than 16 are missed. Now, why is persistence tracking important? Well, let's go back to the 2019 ASCCP risk-based algorithms. This is a database that has been compiled over 15 years that followed women 25 to 65 years old at the Kaiser Permanente of Northern California, and they created a vast database of pretest probabilities for CIN3 plus that could be created for a variety of patient scenarios, including HPV positivity, HPV genotyping, cytology results, and the ensuing histologic follow-up over at least five years. Now, two outcome categories are important from this, the immediate risk of SYN3 plus after a test result and the risk of SYN3 plus developing in five years after that same test result, assuming no intervention during those five years. The threshold for a change in action is now 4% for an immediate risk of SYN3 plus after the test result. For instance, if the risk of SYN3 plus is less than 4%, the woman is asked to return for active surveillance 
at a lesser interval than the five-year regular screening interval. If the immediate risk of SYN3 plus is 4% or greater, she is asked to come to colposcopy. Now let's go back to the USPSTF guidelines, where the benefits of cervical cancer screening are the test's ability to detect CIN3 plus disease balanced against the harms of having the woman undergo unnecessary colposcopies or extra follow-up testings. So we want to minimize the number of repeated tests we ask a woman to do, and at the same time, minimize the number of unnecessary colposcopies that she's asked to undergo. With HPV genotyping alone, we know that each of eight high-risk HPV types have an immediate SYN3 plus risk greater than 4%. You are familiar with HPV types 16 and 18, but the immediate risk of CIN3 plus is also above 4% for HPV 31, 33, 39, 45, and 52, without any other testing result knowledge. Now, if you add a secondary test after genotyping, you can refine the risk of SYN3+, both upwards and downwards. For instance, let's pretend you are using cytology as a secondary triage test. The woman's primary HPV screening was positive and typed for HPV31. She is triaged with a NILM result, her immediate risk of SYN3+, already above the colposcopy threshold, increases to that of a 16 infection, emphasizing the need for colposcopy. Whereas, if she is positive for HPV33, which has an immediate SYN3+, risk above 4%, with a NILM secondary triage result, her risk drops below 4%, indicating that she can safely be followed by a shortened surveillance period. This information provides a great balance between the benefits of HPV genotyping with a secondary triage test, such as cytology. If, after her first positive HPV test for a specific genotype, her secondary triage test moved her safely to follow-up, as we saw above with HPV 33 followed by a NILM cytology result, she then repeats her primary HPV test in one year. At one year, if it remains positive for the same HPV 33 type, her immediate risk of SYN3 plus is double the risk initially, immediately indicating a need for colposcopy regardless of a secondary cytology triage. The persistence of the same high-risk HPV type can double or triple the risk of immediate SYN3 plus over time and can move the immediate risk of SYN3 plus over 4% in as little as one follow-up year depending on the HPV type. The key is that you have to know the genotype. The same genotype persistence causes practically all cervical cancers. As we know, persistence tracking is more easily done with extended genotyping as opposed to partial genotyping. Dr. Harper, can you tell us why that is? Let's review what we just said. We have to know the HPV genotype to be able to follow a woman's persistence over time. This is dependent on the HPV tests that are FDA-approved for primary HPV testing, or in an out-of-date era, for those approved for HPV testing after cytology triage. We discussed at the top of the show that while HPV-16 causes 60% of the cervical cancers, HPV-16 is only involved in 20% of the NILM, ASCUS, and L-cell abnormalities. The women who are persistently positive for HPV-16 are definitely at high risk and must know that their persistently positive HPV-16 means they must have a colposcopically directed biopsy to look for that potential cancer. 
but the woman who is persistently HPV 31 positive must also know that as well, and not as many tests are able to provide that type of specific information. Taking it a step further, if she tested as positive from a cocktail of HPV types and remains persistently positive, we do not know if she is infected with different types over time, or the same type, or some combination thereof, especially if her partners are changing. We cannot use this information to help us make a decision. For those just tuning in, you're listening to ReachMD. I'm Dr. Charles Turk, and today I'm speaking with Dr. Diane Harper about using same genotype persistence to identify high-risk HPV types beyond 16 and 18. Dr. Harper, now that we understand the importance of persistence tracking, let's take a look at its impact on patients. What are some of the benefits? The benefits are in two categories. When type persistence occurs and when the identified type clears. Riffing off the information prior to the break, if the test can show that despite being HPV positive repeatedly, she is positive for different types, she can continue to have primary HPV testing with or without cytology triage, depending on the HPV type and its immediate SIN3 plus risk. If, for instance, she had an HPV31 infection, triaged with cytology to NILM and colposcopically showing no disease, and was tested in one year with no HPV31 infection, she can continue now at a lengthened five-year routine surveillance. Or, in addition to clearing her HPV31 infection, she is now HPV56 positive, triaged to a NILM cytology with no disease at colposcopic biopsy. She can be followed with a shortened three-year surveillance interval. Given the benefits of this assessment strategy, why isn't persistence tracking done more systematically? All of the researchers and clinicians caring for women of all diversities are working hard towards encouragement of the laboratories to switch over to primary HPV testing with appropriate type detection. It is so important for our laboratory colleagues to know that the best care for our women is using FDA-approved primary HPV tests with as many types as is feasible. We hope that this segment will empower you to request primary HPV testing from your laboratories and learn how to use the risk-based management strategies by the ASCCP for incident and persistent HPV type positivity. Dr. Harper, what's the most important thing your colleagues should know about persistence tracking? Dr. Turk, you cannot track HPV types unless you actually test for the types. Let me just repeat that for our audience. You cannot track HPV types unless you test for them. Well, those final considerations are essential to helping us reduce the risk of high-risk genotypes in our patient populations. I want to thank my guest, Dr. Diane Harper, for helping us better understand the role of genotype-specific high-risk HPV persistence in determining cervical cancer risk in women who test positive for HPV, regardless of HPV genotype, and why it's so important to track same genotype persistence for high-risk genotypes beyond 16 and 18 to include 31. Dr. Harper, it was great speaking with you today. And likewise. This program was sponsored by BD. If you missed any part of this discussion, visit ReachMD.com slash industry feature. This is ReachMD. Be part of the knowledge.